welcome back reliever recon it's season two it's week one episode one and it doesn't feel like we skipped a beat whatsoever uh we're your hosts i'm nate markham and joining me as always is fantasy triage himself one of my best friends aaron pags aaron it's uh it's been too long holy crap man like we have been doing this now for years we can actually say this now we have been talking bullpens together on a podcast for years. I don't know if someone is going to commit us or if um, we're going to get, we pat ourselves on the back really hard. Either way, we probably um, are crazy. It's like sticking with the niche. It's like a person who plays Sudoku and then all of a sudden, 10 years later, they're still playing Sudoku and no one else is playing. And they go, I don't know. It's just kind of my thing. And this is just kind of uh, kind of our thing. And you know what? It's also the thing of about almost 520 other people were, were pushing. We have gotten over 500 subs. We stayed over 500 subs. Obviously, our goal is 1,000. We have our sights set. But maybe, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, that's right. We got the filet that's of fish. Right. That's oh, right. Guru, God, please, <laughs> if you're... If you're a new listener, obviously you've already contributed to this, but what you don't know is that as soon as we hit the 1,000 sub mark, our friend, the bullpen guru who hates the filet of fish from McDonald's, will eat one live, and uh, Aaron and myself will gladly join him and root him on. Uh, I just, as much as it's because of our gluttonous ways and the deliciousness that is the fish sandwich, it would be perfect and fitting if it happened during Lent. And it could yeah. be on a Friday we would record. Please tell anybody and everybody and uh, continue to subscribe. It's It's been a great journey. And speaking of that, to you know, subscribe to the site, of course. And if you don't follow any of the people on Twitter, you can follow at Fantasy Triage. Go to www.patreon.com backslash reliever recon first and foremost, at least tell everybody you know, because, well, you already got here. So your battle's over. While you're perusing on the old interwebs, go check out Fantasy Triage. Check out me, Nate, at Nate Markham. Uh, Greg Jewett, if you don't subscribe to him, how the hell did you end up here? You, you used you to uh, left turn at Albuquerque on accident. But that's G. Jewett, the number nine. And uh, Eric, FSWA award winner again, Eric Samolski. He's at Samski NYC. That's S-A-M-S-K-I-N-Y-C. And bullpen guru, far from saving him last maybe the best for last because if there's one specific tool outside of greg greg deserves every accolade he'll ever get eric not a knock against him whatsoever you and i eh, we just talked mm. but bullpen guru might bring the most value to a specific subset if you're in a points league with daily settings bullpen guru could individually win you the league 100 with his information it's it's uncanny what do you think? Do you use his information on a daily setting, Aaron? Okay, so I am this year diving in to head-to-head points with daily moves. That's that's those are the leagues I'm trying to to circle and yeah. get into some leagues in. And if you don't think that you can use that to steal wins, steal saves, um, every single day, day after day, bullpen guru brings it every day, and he holds himself accountable, like mm-hmm. we all do. He puts up his record. He puts up the stats for the pitchers that he picks and his, you know, his hit percent and all that. It's, it is by far the worst 
best kept secret in fantasy baseball. <laughs> yep. He got to the point where he, uh, his league mates now, I believe they're uh, probably their, their league fee has been anti the ante's up by <laughs> another 60 bucks because everybody just pays the sub fee just so that he can't get the edge on them. Right. And, and hell, if everybody in each one of my specific leagues and your leagues wants to pay the five bucks to beat us, I don't want to say I'm going to give up easy because I'm still going to try, mm -hmm. but I realize it's one thing. And and that's, you know, so for five bucks a month, you would get the opportunity to beat you and beat me and beat Greg and Eric and Guru. But you would get so many other things for five dollars a month for the regular season package. Aaron, what may they expect to get for their uh, piddly? I don't know. Damn, I should have done the math. You know, 20 cents a day or whatever it comes to. It's uh, 18 cents, I guess, probably. It is. Well, let's see. Yeah, five, five bucks a month. Less. It's a little bit more than a dollar a week, which makes you like, uh, I don't even know, 28 cents a day or something like that. 17. 16.7 17. 16. <laughs> cents a day. 16.7 cents a day. First of all, you are robbing us. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is the easiest $5 a month you could ever spend. Um, just, you know, one less Starbucks coffee. And you have access to Greg Jewett's closer charts. You have access to Bullpen Guru's daily streamers. Um, this year, we listened to our subs from last year. And we and I am doing a weekly power rankings for the closers that I have been doing since January 1. We're already in week 10 of that can't believe it um on top of that you get this podcast um the extended versions just for you on top of that you get eric's award-winning videos um and greg doesn't just do the closer charts he puts out an article every single day literally every single day whether it's spring vibes or coffee and closers market pulse Fortune 500. I mean, golly, that it just it goes on and on and on. It is, and this isn't in our words. These are words from other fantasy experts or whatever you want to call them. We have been called the platinum standard of Patreons. And we are trying even harder this year to top last year. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna try. Yeah. Um I mean, I just want to, I want to maintain that standard because yeah. uh, I'm not a gemologist, but I believe platinum is good. And and coming <laughs> from the source who said that, um, we'll leave it we'll not specific, that, yeah. but wow. It, it, who I consider one of the platinum standards for podcasting and just uh, baseball information in general. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's a humbling experience because you and I, as you, you know, we've said, we've been doing this together and, you know, from the, the mean streets of the iTunes of, uh, of our <laughs> uh, relief pitching podcast that we, we thought, what are we doing here to now being able to see, and I go through this and I do this not for my own ego, but I look at the patrons that subscribe and I go through and I'm like, I'm kind of in awe. Cause I'm like, that guy, he subscribes to us or she subscribes to us or they it's, it's so many names that I listen to. And I'm like, Oh man, they might actually take my opinion on something or at least the collective uh, group think. So I, I got to get this stuff right, man. And that's, you know, I've been, I've been studying I, not as much. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk and, and see what you and I can, 
can get through. And I figured, we figured, what better way to start off the year than to just ease in with a, with a little bit of the the pulse of the situation? You know, it's it's draft season right now for most experts or analysts or whatever industry leagues, whatever nomenclature you want to use. TGFBI is in the second week. Uh, for me, it's still not even halfway over. It Round takes forever. Six. <laughs> Round six feels like it. It's uh, it's not. It's we're almost halfway there. Raslam started this week. That's moving slow as well. But NFBC drafts are in uh, full go. Tout wars, labor have concluded. Home leagues are around the corner or starting. They're in the busiest time of the year. This is by far when we can provide the best type of information with just the the draft stuff. Obviously, our more valuable tools are in season when people have to make the moves. But you know, let's take a lap around the major league uh, landscape and take a pulse of the bullpens as we see today. And if I'm going to have someone that's going to help me take a pulse, uh, there's nobody better than uh, than Mr. Triage himself. So let's, let you know, figure out the bullpens, I will say. It, it's not open heart surgery. Nope. But it's damn can cause some heart murmurs. <laughs> let's jump right in. i like to, let's start with, you know, one question for you. Number one an anchor strategy or an anchor by an RP uh, scenario in my mind, isn't just that elite tier of what we would consider Diaz and uh, class A. But if you had to reach down and you had to min- you know, mention your quote unquote anchors, how far down does it go? Where does it stop for you? Okay. So we'll just put this caveat out now and know that this is always the caveat that every league is different. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. um, if you are in a draft and hold, the the number of saves becomes that are available in those leagues become minuscule. If you are in a fifteen league, fifteen team league, they are small. If you are in a twelve team league, they are moderate. And if you're in a ten team league, they are a little bit larger. And so. And of course, this varies whether you're playing with fab versus playing with no in-season moves at all. If you have no in-season moves at all, then getting your saves early is the way to go. If you are in a league where you can subscribe to a place like Relief or Recon on Patreon, then you can be a little more, I don't want to say loose, but you can be looser in your draft strategy and let the values at Relief Pitcher fall to you that being said i think currently as far as an anchor goes i think we for me the list is very small in comparison to most i i only have a good feel for four guys currently who I don't think could lose their job barring a significant injury or a complete reversal in their career numbers. And that is those four guys are Emmanuel Classe, Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, and Ryan Presley for me. Um, outside of that, there are other names that you could consider for your anchor. But for me, it starts with those four. Yeah, and I won't say that my thought process differs entirely 
for the sake of uh, kind of encapsulating all the different types of leagues, I, I made this anchor have a little bit longer of a leash so we can kind of break it down. And, and one way of looking at it is, you know, we'll stick with the healthcare theme, call it a little bradycardia, you know, a little nice, relaxing, mm -hmm. low pulse, resting heart rate, if you will. And of course, that starts with uh, the aforementioned Edwin or uh, Edwin Diaz and Emmanuel Classe. There's there's not much in the way of conversation that needs to be had between either one of them. I, I think there's no doubt that they're in a tier by themselves. Are you including Hader in that first tier with them? For me, I think he's there not because he has necessarily the same skills, but I believe that he has the team context and the history to go to back up the fact that he is um, maybe not their equivalent, but one A's to one B's. He's not a he's not a number two. He is a one B type of guy for me, and that makes sense. I think that we can look back at at last year, and, and there's a number uh, of different reasons that possibly could be on the case. I mean, we have to remember these guys are humans, and and they have lives, and and that works into it. And and honestly, when people ask me what are my concerns with Josh Hader, were last year's struggles something that you were concerned with? Do you think that's going to trickle into this year? My easy answer is no. I see him in that top tier with those two. Maybe he'll be my third, but it's I think that where he's going now as far as like overall ADP, it's kind of nice in that he's not in that second round. He's in that pick 40, you know, the mid, over the last month. So any ADP that I bring up is from March 1st through March 7th, 15 team leagues, just to clarify we could get more specific and we will as the season goes on in different podcasts, we'll break down strategies, et cetera. But, you know, that's not so bad. Are, are you in the same belief that you think it was just, you know, I mean, the outside struggles had that effect and Milwaukee wanting him to pitch multiple innings and him not agreeing with that. All those factors kind of play into your mind as well. I mean, elite, like you said, elite closers are human too. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had a challenging start to his newborn's life which, you know, your heart goes out to somebody who's dealing with something like that. Um, couple that with a trade from the team that he debuted for in 2017 at just 23 years old, kind of a little bit of unsteady footing on and off the field in 2022. Still, though, Hater's um, 2022 year culminated with the fourth most saves and the 10th best K percentage. That's not bad for a player who actually was dropped in some... <laughs> in some redraft leagues last year. So for me, believe in the back of the baseball card. I'm right there with you. Um, the back of the baseball card for Ryan Presley last year and versus the year before is definitely one that doesn't tell a true story. If you ask me last year, he had, you know, uh, 33 saves and only 50 appearances. And yet the year before he had 26 in a 95 win season for the team. So it doesn't always tell the tale, but if you were to tell a tale about Ryan Presley and why he's in your top tier, you clearly aren't too concerned with the, uh, with the knee issues in the neck, or maybe you are to an extent, maybe that's why he's not in that elite number, you know, that top, top tier. He's just in that anchor for you. Yeah. He's not in the class of class A, uh, pun, pun, uh, oh, or one. Diaz or Diaz or hater for me. 
but he is he's often forgotten as a member of the anchor club for sure and despite those two different injuries in 2022 he was top 12 in saves top 12 in whip top 12 in k percentage top 12 in swinging strike percentage um and in the last over the last two seasons he's decreased his whip decreased his babip and decreased his uh, hard contact percentage while increasing his strikeout rate so there i don't know what more he has to do because it's very difficult to pre- to predict someone to save more than 30 games mm-hmm. but if there's anyone whose team context and career arc says this guy should save 30 games every year for me presley belongs in that group i'm glad to hear that you are on the presley bandwagon i have uh had my hand out as you ran behind it trying to pull you on for two years yes um it's not as if people listening that aaron has not been in favor of him but i think i had the uh was wearing waving the flag a little bit stronger and i'm glad that it it it's been weird. Like we said, the two strange seasons is hard to predict. That's why projections pretty much stop at about 24 to 25 saves and anything higher than that. It's crazy because we've seen this. You talked about team concept. You talked about arc. You talked about uh, trend. And another name in this uh, anchor list for me is Jordan Romano with Toronto, who you want to talk about team context. Of course, we know how good the Blue Jays should be. We talk about a breakout in 2021 and when he had career high 36 saves last season from after that breakup, um, which was fourth in the American League. He had 19 one-run saves, which led the majors, which is a fickle thing to kind of consider. But you also have to consider Toronto is going to put him in a lot of positions to to be um, opportunistic. Jordan Romano has some bugaboos, I would say, as far as walk rate, et cetera. But what's your take i mean how comfortable if he's not in your anchor list is he is it for any specific reason and where do you have jordan romano yeah i mean there is a there are a few things you mentioned the walk problem that he occasionally gets into and kind of um getting uh losing the feel for his pitches type of thing um this is a more you know nitpicking kind of thing with romano uh, because he consistently pads your ratios he has accumulated saves over the last two seasons. And despite the walks, truly Romano's standout trait is consistency. He's got 59 saves, a 2.13 ERA, 1.03 whip, and a 29.1, not K percentage, K minus walk percentage since the beginning of 2021. Now, even with that said, he not just the walks, but on occasion he gets nicked up by the hard contact. Twenty-eight point five hard contact percentage. All that being said, you look up at the end of the season, the numbers are always there for Romano, and so he's just a tick below those other guys for me. But I wouldn't hate on you if you started your or used him as your anchor in twenty twenty-three. Yeah, and when when you can start with Romano at um, over the last you know really week this month so far at pick forty seven 
min of 42, max of 53. That's that's about where, you know, you you get your two hitters. And I think the third round is what we've determined for a lot of us, at least, that that's where opportunity cost starts to take a little bit of a uh, a reduction in price, if that makes any sense whatsoever, because there you'd hate to give up two hitters or at least a pitcher and a hitter. In some context, we know we want at-bats. We know we want innings. But I know we can't falter on saves. And if we're wanting and to go after just saves, the next name on my list, at least, and one that I probably even will have above Romano is, is a friend of, uh, at least of you and I's for quite some time, is Rizel Iglesias. And it's synonymous. Rizel synonymous for for saves. I mean, granted, last year we know was is probably not the best season to piggyback off of what I'm going to blow the uh, – the roof off of the my Iglesias love, but it was an odd time. Um, tell you what, though, he finished as strong. If you want to talk about, let's look at the last, uh, uh, how he ended 2022 going into 2023. Not much better. Rizal Iglesias, Aaron Pags, what's your outlook? Uh, man, I mean, if you solely look at how he performed in safe situations versus non-safe situations last season, um, you'd be misled kind of um he was much he was much more improved when he showed up in Atlanta via trade and adjusted his pitch mix mm-hmm. um after he after the trade he had 30 Ks to 5 walks and a 0.84 whip and he only allowed one earned run in 26 and a third innings pitched he is 100% the replacement in Atlanta or Kenley Jansen leaving town. And I expect him to perform at that, maybe not at that level, but at a very high level in that, in that role. Yeah. And it's, we're getting to this grouping now of relievers that they're not all work free. Not everybody is as scared of certain facts about these guys. And the one person that if we wanted to go from last year and the year before, and, and what we'll do is this will probably conclude for me my top tier of the anchors as far as where I'm really comfortable. And and that would have been, eh, little mm-hmm. caveat, Devin Williams. Mm-hmm. That coincides with ADP, pick 49, min 45, max 52. But this spring has not been, I would say, opportunistic for Devin Williams. Is there reason to be concerned as far as a role, or is this just a blip? It's just spring. We shouldn't take too much into it. Well, plugging the Patreon, patreon.com slash reliever recon, I did a video breakdown on Devin Williams' player profile. Um, Williams is going to obviously enter his first full season without Josh Hader in town, and his strikeout upside is almost unmatched by the top guys outside of Edwin Diaz. Uh, over the last two seasons, he's 39.3% in his K rate, which is fourth um, by a relief pitcher. Last year, he had a 40% rate, which was third. Um, the Milwaukee bullpen as presently constructed. Matt Bush is the only other guy in that arm barn with more than one career safe. So I can see all of the positives, all of the shiny, bright things that come with Devin Williams. I can also see 
the dip in velocity, which Williams attributes to needing to be more um, sneaky with his fastball than hard with his fastball. And when I say sneaky, I mean he um, worked prior to last season in um, with his extension uh, on his pitches, getting releasing the ball closer to home plate. So instead of 97 miles per hour from 58 feet and one inch, he's throwing 94, 95 from, you know, 57 feet. Um, okay. So what do we need from our closers? We need games finished. Uh, if there's ever a stat that you want to look at and point to one, you want to look at the games finished because this means that the manager sees him as the guy who can get the final out for him. And fantasy players who take Devin Williams, they need to see the 67% games finished number that he had post-hater trade. They need to see, see that stick. He needs to be at, at two-thirds of the games or more. If he does that, despite the dip in velocity, he can certainly provide you with enough saves to be your anchor. Yeah, if there's a concern um, in your eyes as far as the uh, hierarchy, at least to get to the ninth. Do you do you worry at all? I mean, as far as like you just mentioned, Matt Bush closer experience, but outside of that, the you know the only really intriguing name that I really like is Abner Uribe, who there's mentions that he could even be in the eighth. So at least you have a closer uh, niche. But I feel like the starters should be able to get them deep enough to hopefully not need too much leverage ladder to get to Devin Williams. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, we see this every year from Milwaukee. They find guys who were um, average starters and turn them into better than average relief pitchers. Um, they they have a they do a good job uh, just in their organization of preventing runs scored. That is their motto. That's how they um, that's how they win games. That's how they consistently are in the mix at the end of season. And so um, I trust in the Milwaukee organization to find the pieces, whether they're on the roster as presently constructed, whether they're in AAA, whether these are the sixth, seventh, eighth starters that are just hanging around um, waiting to give them big innings. I think they'll find a way to get the ball to Devin Williams. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that um, Devin Williams is going to have every opportunity to close 30 games out, 30 save opportunities out. Um, do I believe that he has uh, the same uh, chance as Romano, Presley, Hayter, Diaz, Classe? No, I can say that solidly, that he is certainly outside of that group for me. And... um. Yeah. Yeah. And so at this point, um, we want to thank everybody who got to listen to this part of the show uh, for free. And we are going to um, every single episode, we will post a portion of it um, online for everybody to listen to. And then um, from here on out, we will um, post the second half of the show on our Patreon. And so if you'd like to hear the rest of the show, join us over at patreon.com slash reliever recon become a member today and you can hear the rest of this episode